Thank you, Pastor. Appreciate the um, always uh, the great hospitality um, of the, your church and your kindness, and I really do appreciate that. Never take it for granted. And um, <clears throat> um, and it's good to um, good. Dave, I never thought I'd say this. Good to be in Queensland. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's still a bit hot out there tonight, but um, it'll cool down eventually. Um, <laughs> no, it is really good to be here and we love you folk and, and um, just thank you from um, the depths of our hearts. Ezekiel chapter 15, please. Ezekiel 15. It's just a small chapter. We'll read the entire chapter. And I'll give you a short outline from Ezekiel 15. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, what is the vine tree more than any tree, or than a branch which is among the trees of the forest? Shall wood be taken thereof to do any work? Or will men take a pin of it to hang any vessel thereon? Behold, it is cast into the fire for fuel. The fire devoureth both the ends of it, and the midst of it is burned. Is it meat for any work? Behold, when it was whole, it was meat for no work. How much less shall it be meat yet for any work when the fire hath devoured it, and it is burned? Therefore thus saith the Lord God, as the vine tree among the trees of the forest, which I have given to the fire for fuel, so will I give the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will set my face against them. They shall go out from one fire, and another fire shall devour them. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I set my face against them, and I will make the land desolate because they have committed a trespass, saith the Lord God. And let's pray. Thank you, Lord, again for the beautiful uh, day, a cooler day today. We give you thanks. Thank you for the rain. Uh, Lord, we come now as needy people. We are always needy people, Father. We rely on you for daily bread, uh, for daily blessing, and we thank you that you are our Heavenly Father, and we can say Abba, Father, uh, because the Spirit of God lives within us, those who belong to you. Please speak to us this evening from your word, encourage us, challenge us, convict us if necessary for the next few minutes, and we pray for the work of the Spirit of God at this very moment. And may the word of God come alive to us, we pray, uh, and bless this message, bless the one that is to follow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I, uh, a number of years ago, I was uh, preaching in uh, Southern California, and I took a drive up to uh, uh, the central part of the, uh, the state. I was preaching in a few churches there after our son Jesse had graduated from uh, West Coast Baptist College, and I took a drive one afternoon through the Sequoia National Park. Uh, you've been to Sequoia National Park? It's quite spectacular. Um, <clears throat> And uh, seeing those huge trees, just you've got to see them to appreciate how big they are. And then, uh, uh, I, I love trees. We all love trees. There's one of my favourite places in all the world is uh, Rotorua, New Zealand. I've been there many times, spent months, uh, most probably of my life there. And just on the outskirts of Rotorua is a redwood forest. Uh, and again, it's a spectacular part of the world. Whenever I go to, New Z- to, to Rotorua, I have to make a little detour and spend a few minutes just um, enjoying God's creation there. And uh, the north coast of New South Wales, for many years, the, the main industry, it's now uh, tourism, but for many years it was timber. 
and there's a little bit of timber now, but some of those eucalypts were gigantic trees. Um, <clears throat> we have a contrast in the Word of God with these huge, great trees uh, with something that's really scrawny, and it's the grapevine. Now, the prophet here, Ezekiel, uh, was um, obviously God gave him words to say to the, um, uh, the nation of Israel that was in deep sin. And he said uh, all this teaching about um, the, the vine. Now, the vine is most probably, the grapevine is most probably the scrawniest of, uh, of, of trees. Uh, in fact, I was at Dave and Glenda's for, for dinner tonight and before we went in, uh, I didn't tell Dave what I was preaching on, but we went and had a look at Dave's huge, great um, uh, vineyard there. Uh, I think there's one vine, isn't there, on, on the top of the tree, uh, top of the fence there. But um, <clears throat> it was interesting we were talking about. Uh, it is the scrawniest looking little tree, is the grapevine. But, of course, the purpose of the grapevine is to... Bring forth grapes. Now, I don't know about you, but I like grapes. Uh, everyone likes grapes, and of course, there's a lot of things you can do with grapes and, and so on. But the purpose of the grapevine, obviously, is to have lots of grapes. Uh, and uh, that, that is the purpose of the vine. There's no other purpose for the vine. And that's what God said here uh, through Ezekiel to the nation of Israel. He said, can you take wood from the grapevine? Well, no, you can't. There's not enough of it. It's the scrawniest, scroungiest, put whatever word you want in there, um, ugliest little bit of timber you've ever seen. It's, it's no good. You can't make a table out of a grapevine. You can't build a house out of a grapevine. That's not going to happen. And then uh, you can burn it, but it's not much good to burn. It just burns up really quickly. And in fact, he went on and said there in verse, uh, which verse was it? Um, <clears throat> Uh, verse number three, he said, will men take a pin of it to hang any vessel thereon? He says, you can't even make a peg out of, out of the wood from a grapevine. In other words, the grapevine is to bear fruit. That's what it's there for. It's not to look at. It's ugly to look at. It doesn't go very, you're not going to get shade off a grapevine. Uh, you're not going to get timber from it or firewood or build a house or even make a clothes peg. In fact, if you can't get fruit from a grapevine, it's, it's useless. And he said, that's the nation of Israel. In fact, the nation of Israel, all down through history, is uh, just the tiniest little nation, the scrawniest little nation. A scrawny, tiny little nation. We would say inconsequential, is that the word? Even today, it's not a big country. There's not a, there's not a lot of people in Israel. And yet God said, what I want you to do is I, I want you to be fruitful. And Israel for a time was fruitful. Back, uh, back uh, in the days of Joseph, what did God say? What did, what did uh, his father Jacob say about Joseph? Joseph is a fruitful bough. He says, Joseph, you're a fruitful man. You've had a fruitful life. And then um, down through the years, Israel was a fruitful nation, especially when they were obeying God through the times of David and, and especially when, when, when uh, 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 Solomon was on the ball. Maybe that was the zenith of Israel before Solomon went bad. They were a fruitful vine. They were, uh, people looked at the nation of Israel, this scrawny little nation, but they said, man, God's there. 
God's there. The fear of God was in the nations round about. And God put his blessing on Israel so they were fruitful. But we get here to Ezekiel around the time of the, the, the captivity, the Babylonian captivity, and um, uh, he says um, it's, um, it's pitiful. The nation of Israel was pitiful. It was supposed to be fruitful, fruit-bearing, but it wasn't even worth burning. And God said, I'm going to judge the nation because of their idolatry and their spiritual adultery. You know, and I'm rushing through my outline here for time's sake this evening, but there's nothing as sad as a barren Christian. There's nothing so sad as a barren Christian. You don't have to be a beautiful Christian. You don't have to be good looking. You don't have to be mighty or strong or talented. You just need to be fruitful. You just need to be fruitful. Some of the most fruitful Christians I've met are old people that are all scrounged up, can hardly walk, are not sharp mentally, are not wealthy, but they're fruitful. They are fruitful. I'm thinking of uh, those of you who are at, few of you might have been at Vision to Serve a couple of years ago. There's a lady down on the central coast, a little old lady, nearly 90, and she's, you know, old people sort of shrink, they get smaller and smaller. And she, she, she's in a walker and uh, she, uh, she's in the nursing home. She can't get out of there. But this lady, Audrey Long, is, has there ever been a more... Brother, you know Audrey Long. What a fruitful Christian. She prays from 4am to 7am every morning. She said, brother, I've got nothing else to do. <laughs> then she gets on a computer. She knows the computer far better than I do. She knows all the missionaries. She's a fruitful lady. This scrawny little vine bears this gigantic amount of fruit. There's nothing sadder than a barren Christian. God wants us to be fruitful. And I'll prove that to you from the Bible. Take your Bible, go over to uh, the book of John, chapter 15. Now, I think you'd all agree that our, if we have a purpose in life as those who belong to God, those who are saved in God's family. Our purpose in life is to bring glory to God and the Lord Jesus Christ tells us how to do that. Uh, John chapter 15 and verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified, wait for it, that ye bear much fruit. You want to glorify God? Be a fruit bearer. You want to glorify God? You're not going to glorify God with your muscles. God doesn't care if you, you know, if you're muscly, good looking, big, you know, you've got an afro. God doesn't care about that. Thank God for however he's made you, that's fine. But God is glorified when you bear much fruit. Bear much fruit. What is the necessity of fruit bearing? The necessity of fruit bearing. We should ask, first of all, what is, what is the fruit of a Christian? Now, we learnt last night that the fruit of the Spirit working through the life of the Christian is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, temperance, faith, and, and so on. Um, that's, in a sense, that is the fruit of a Christian, but really, that is the fruit of the Spirit through the life of the Christian. But what is the fruit of a Christian? John 15, verse 8, the second part. Look at this here. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so 
shall ye be my disciples. So shall ye be my disciples. Disciples are fruit bearers. Fruit bearers make disciples. Now we won't turn there. We all, we all know Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and, what does it say? Teach all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. The Great Commission. Okay, we know that. It's very interesting. The word disciple here, so shall you be my disciples, is basically the same word as Matthew 28, 19, where it says teach. Same word. Now, of course, one is a, disciples is a noun, teach is a verb, but it's basically the same word. So how are we fruitful? How do we glorify God? By being disciples, by being teachers. Proverbs 11.30, I've always been intrigued by this verse. Don't turn there, you know the verse. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Now, I've had many discussions, or a number of discussions with my pastor, David Mitchell, about what it actually means to be a soul winner, he that winneth souls. Now, remember, when we look at the Bible, we have to put it in context. What did it mean then? What did it mean then? Now, now if we look, we think of soul winning, and I think it's a wonderful word, uh, but what, what, what does it mean then? Did it mean tent knocking, knocking on tent doors? Maybe it did. The word actually means to seize, to snatch, um, to fetch, or to take. Now, I imagine in, in context, here's, uh, here's Solomon giving, uh, giving these, uh, these words of wisdom. Uh, he that winneth souls is wise. He was the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. They loved God. They were blessed by God. They were fruitful. Of course, there were nations all around about them. They were just a little nation. Nations all around about them. And so this is what I think he was saying. He said, listen, if you can see, snatch, take some of the heathen and bring them across to the ways of the true living God of Israel, that's a good thing. That's a wise thing to do. Teach them the ways of Israel. Teach them the ways of the God of Israel. What we do know is, what is sure is this, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. It's not just fruit, it's a tree. What does a tree do? A tree bears fruit. Hey, what is the fruit of the young family? What is the fruit of, the young, of, of me and my wife? My wife and I. Me. You, you teachers will figure all that grammar stuff out. What is, what is the fruit of the young family? Now, I hope that my kids, they're grown now, they're adults, but I hope that my kids are kind and gracious and hardworking and patient and nice. Uh, I, hope that, I, hope we've, I hope Robin and I have trained some of that into our kids, and I really hope they are. I think they are, but I hope they are. But what is the fruit of the young family? I'll tell you what it is. It's Jesse, David, Grace and Sarah. All these little youngs. Well, of course, now it's Jesse and Lydia. It's Dave and Hannah. It's Sarah and Andrew. And it's Grace. Grace is not married yet. So that's the fruit. But hang on, it's not just that. We've got Jesse... Lydia, Dave and Hannah, Sarah and Andrew, but we've also got Alex, Nick, Harry, 
Ted, Molly, and Anne's the youngest. We've got six grandkids at the moment. Okay, so that's, that's fruit, and, and uh, so that, that is the fruit of the young family. And who knows? Who knows? I mean, Alex is nearly 12. He could be married with kids in 10 years. That would put me... How old do you have to be to be a great grand? I don't feel old enough to be a grandfather. I know I don't look old enough to be a grandfather. <laughs> How old do you have to be to be a great grandfather? Oh, I don't know. Uh, any great grandparents here? No, no one's old enough here to be a great grandparent. You're not old enough to be a great grandparent. No way. <laughs> you see, the fruit of the fruit of the young family is more youngs. All these little youngs running around. What's the fruit of a Christian? Not just a piece of fruit. It's a tree of life. It's more Christians and then they can bear fruit into more Christians and they can bear fruit into more Christians. That's discipleship. Yes, discipleship is soul winning. It is witnessing. But that's just the first step. Then we need to teach. We need to train. We need disciple. Teach them the things that I've taught you, said Jesus. So that they'll go and do the same thing. That's the reproduction principle. That's how Christians are fruitful. So ask yourself, am I a fruitful Christian? Why is that? Because how do we glorify God? By bearing much fruit. There's the necessity of fruit bearing. Of course, in in, uh, John chapter 15, we also read about the necessity of purging. Every branch that beareth fruit, verse number, where are we? Number two. He purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. This is the uncomfortable part of fruit bearing. God has to purge us. And by the way, I was speaking with Dave tonight. He was giving me a lesson on, uh, Dave knows a bit about everything. He really does. If you want to know anything about plumbing or pretty well anything, rocket science, go and see Dave. <laughs> uh, we'll let Glenda do the cooking, but I mean, for anything else... But he was showing me his beautiful grapevine and uh, you had to, like the good stuff, you had to purge that off. You know, pur- purging is actually not getting rid of bad stuff, it's getting rid of good stuff. Now maybe it is getting rid of bad stuff, maybe you could break off the stuff that's rotten and dead. I know, anyone at tom- any tomato gardeners here? Yep, yep, yep. I'm not a gardener but Robin teaches me these things. When the tomato plant, vine, whatever it is, comes up. You've got one here, you've got one here. Sometimes there's a little shoot comes up in the middle and there's nothing wrong with that. It's healthy, but you've got to pull that off. You've got to purge it off. Oftentimes purging is getting rid of that which is not necessarily bad or evil, but it's holding back the growth. And that's what God does to us sometimes. Now we understand we have to lay aside the sins. We know that's, that's a given. Lay aside the sins, Hebrews chapter 12, lay aside the sins. And the weights. But God also needs to purge us. Gets rid of that which is not conducive to growth. And then there's a necessity of sowing. Don't turn there. Galatians 6, 7. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you want to be a fruit bearer, you've got to keep sowing. It's no good for a farmer to have, you know, a hundred tonne worth of seed and it's no good him thinking, well, I'm just going to leave half of that in the shed here. It's no good in the shed. Get that seed out in the paddock and pray for rain. You're never going to grow seed in the shed. That's why we, need to, we, we, we reap in direct proportion as to how we sow. 
I love what Brother Shemmy said the other day. I, I'm not sure what you preached on um, before Monday night, but every Christian should have tracks in their pocket. That's just a given. We should all be inviting people to church, giving tracks out, stashing them, and when, when opportunities arise, share Christ, share the gospel. That's sowing the seed. All day, every day. That's not, that's not just the job of the pastor or the assistant pastors or the missionaries. That's, that's everyone's job. Because remember, we, we reap in direct proportion as to how we sow. You want to be a fruitful Christian? You better sow. If you're not bearing fruit at the moment, maybe you're not sowing any seed. You say, yeah, but, but, but nothing happens. It's irrelevant. Jesus gave the parable of the sower, yeah, and, and only one of the four seeds actually bore fruit. But that's fine. That's the way it is. Most people are going to tear the tract up. Most people are going to throw it away. Most people, but that's, that's the way it happens. But we have to keep sowing because some will believe. The necessity of sowing. What am I trying to say? I'm just about finished tonight. We need to keep the main thing, the main thing. Someone said this. I'm not sure who it was. Uh, but they said, the good is often the enemy of the best. The good is often the enemy of the best. Now, we know that sins are wrong. If you go out and get drunk, get on drugs, whatever, you know, that's, we know that's wrong. Don't do that stuff. But so often, us Christians, what we can do, we can go and we can give our time to that which is most probably good, but it's not the best thing we can do. Sometimes we need to put aside those things that are stopping us from being fruitful. You can't do everything in life. You can't do everything in ministry. Oftentimes it's distractions that stop us from bearing fruit. Keep the main thing the main thing. Again, I'm not sure who made that saying up, but it's true. Hey, we live in the last days. We can spend our time doing many good things, uh, things that are fine and nothing wrong with them, but we need to ask ourselves, are we bearing fruit? Are we bearing fruit? And that's all, it's all going to be laid bare at the judgment seat. It's all going to be laid bare. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10, whether it be good or bad. The word bad there is the word kakos. <laughs> means worthless. Worthless. It doesn't mean sinful, it means worthless. Um, whenever the end of my days happen, and I'm listening for the trumpet, I'm hoping the trumpet will sound, but whenever the end of my days, I just want to be seen <clears throat> as a fruitful Christian. That's all. If you can be seen as a fruitful Christian, you've had, you've had a good life. Be a fruitful Christian. Influence others for the cause of Christ. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a hobby, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. You've figured that out with the Lord. But sometimes we can do so many things and we can be so busy doing stuff that it's not the main thing. Remember, sometimes the good things are the enemy of the best things. We need to get focused, get clean, get empowered by the Spirit of God. And get busy preaching the gospel to as many as we can while we can. You know, the trumpet's going to sound one day. 
I think soon, but I don't know, I might be wrong, might be many years, but I'm expecting the trumpet to sound any time. And when that trumpet sounds and we're out of here, everything you have in this world is it's gone. It's gone. And I'm not saying you, you don't need a car, you don't need a job. Of course, the Lord knows. He understands our needs. And the Lord understands that sometimes we need a little bit of distraction or a bit of R&R or whatever. The Lord understands all that. A bit of rest. But everything we own, everything we have, when that trumpet sounds, it's all gone. It's all left here on earth. The trumpet's going to sound. That's it. Our, our opportunity for fruit bearing is finished. So what's the application? Either get in or get back in the fruit bearing business. That's what it's all about. Folks, we need to take this seriously. Fruit bearing. If you don't know how to bear fruit, go and see your pastor. Say, Pastor, how can I be a, how can I be a fruitful... I want to be a fruitful Christian. I'm a bit scared to talk to people. Okay, that's fine. Most people are scared to talk to others. And there's ways you can work around that. The end thing is, God is glorified when we bear much fruit. Father, thank you for the word of God. Please, Lord, may we be fruit bearers. We may be little scrawny Christians, Lord. But Lord, we can bear fruit for the Lord Jesus Christ and bring you glory. Speak to our hearts at this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.